Hi. Hi. <laughs> Long time no see. Yeah. Super fresh and exciting. Okay. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm pretty good. Other than feeling? the sunburn. <laughs> I'm feeling good. How about you? Uh, no. Well, how was up north? You went up north? Yeah, I went up north. We actually, we went fishing one of the days, which is where I got the sunburn, but we caught a ton of fish. That's probably the most fish we've ever caught, which is awesome. But all uh, the same or what type of fish? All sunfish, bass, what you got? All bass. Okay. which my husband and his dad would know better, but I think they were all largemouth. I don't really know 100%. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm a fisherwoman to the point that I'm like, I pull it in and then I'm like, Mark, help me get the hook out. <laughs> Did you grow up fishing? No. Okay. I'm a city girl through and through, so... All right. All right. I'm not well practiced. Yeah. So is Mark like the first kind of outdoorsy type that you've. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. Which fortunately, so we met in 2013. So I should be better at taking the hook out of the fish by now, but that's okay. It's okay. <laughs> How about you? How was your weekend? <sighs> How was my weekend? I got my second vaccine on Friday. Oh, amazing. And then Saturday, I don't remember anymore. How did you feel after the vaccine? I know some people were saying they felt a little bit more feverish or it was only, it was temporary, but. Right. I got, good. well, my first shot was AstraZeneca and that's when I got sick. I got really, really ill the first shot. Okay. And I wasn't feeling well. It took me three or four days to sort of feel normal again. I was just taking it easy. I wasn't taking any chances. I sort of let myself be sick. And I was like taking it easy, not overexerting myself because I tend to overexert. I'm trying to adopt this new mentality where, you know, I don't have to work my ass off and like, you know, kill myself to get things done. Like it's okay to take a rest, you know? It's one thing the pandemic has taught me to, is to just chill out and take a oh, break. For sure. I deserve a minute to myself. So this time I also had AstraZeneca for my second shot and uh, nothing really like a little oh, bit good. tired, but nothing crazy. No, nothing Amazing. crazy. That's so good. You call uh, up North in Bancroft, the cottage. Yeah. I don't know. I call it the cottage, <laughs> which is confusing to people when I say, Oh, I'm going to the cottage and then I'm hanging out with uh, 10 of our best friends. It's like, yeah. What? <laughs> it's it's definitely a unique environment something i it, i'm yes. very grateful to be be able to go up there for sure but, well yes we're very lucky um to have that space for sure and also and like greg and i we have other places we can go to as well so we're also very fortunate like i'm i feel really a lot of empathy to people who have stayed in the city and they haven't been able to leave and it's just been terrible. So, and I wish I could invite everyone up, you know, just to get some nature under their, 
into their skin, you know, come up north and just like breathe some fresh air and hundred percent, you know, so there's something therapeutic about just being out in nature. It's so nice. <laughs> yes. And now I've learned how to dirt bike. So that's exciting. Oh, damn. How did you learn that? Allie taught me. Uh, that's Greg's, uh, Greg's daughter, my stepdaughter. Yeah. Allie taught me because I wouldn't let Greg do it. I was like, no, there's no way I'm letting you teach me how to do this. Like Allie is like a great teacher, very calm, explains everything. And her, his son too, Luke would have been able to teach me as well, for sure. He's a very good teacher, but oh my God, I was so scared to do it because my biggest fear was not even the driving part. Cause I mean, I can drive. It's not a problem. It was the starting. It was the going because that's, yeah. like if I give it too much gas, I could just see me flying everywhere with it. But I managed to figure out the balance between, you know, the clutch and the gas and all that stuff. So I feel very good. It's another way I can enjoy Planitza. Like oh, the, for sure. Our little so- Slovenian camp. And I have a background, like I've done trail riding and mountain biking and stuff so i have some idea as to how to maneuver you know in certain terrain so i think i'll be okay we'll see we'll see so that's awesome so you you already knew like how to use the clutch or whatever you just had to transfer it to a dirt bike i'm an old woman nice try i'm an old woman and old ladies know how to drive standard It's a zombie apocalypse skill. This is the thing I'm accumulating zombie apocalypse skills as the time goes on. So, well, I definitely have to keep you close. Got to keep Mark close because <laughs> I need some way to get out of the city. <laughs> well, you have Planitza to go to. So that's great. <laughs> I got some things to say about this episode, girl. Oh, this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? This is my favorite show. I know. I'm watching and I'm like, oh my God. Laughing. Oh my God. I know. (laughs) I am enjoying it. I'm trying to, I'm going to really try to be like, yeah, like happy about certain things. But I think this first season might be a bit problematic in a lot of ways. So I think I just have to, maybe we just have to accept that it's just, this is the way it was (laughs) back then. I guess. And uh, move forward, you know? The way that temperance treats the Homeland Security people, I think is so funny. There's no way that in real life she would get away with that. Right? 100% not. Never in a million years. All right. So let's talk about this episode. The title of the episode is Man in the SUV. We open on a man of unknown ethnicity walking out of a building. And it's called the Arab American Friendship League. I don't know if it's a real thing or not. There's a place in Dearborn, Michigan called the Arab American Friendship Center. That's kind of close. Not really, but kind of kind of close. How close is Michigan to Washington? I anyway, don't think very close. <laughs> this guy walks out. He's carrying a briefcase. There's very ominous music playing. He's getting into his SUV. He's not looking too good. His face is all messed up. Cranking up the AC in the car. Oh, nice he's, detail. Yes. He's <laughs> using his phone, not hands-free, because it's 2005. Exactly. And they keep doing that over and over and over again. He picks up the phone. He's chatting. And because I'm watching this 
with the subtitles on because that's the only way that I watch TV. Ooh, ooh, ooh. what did it say? <laughs> it did not give me any interpretation as to what he was saying. <laughs> <laughs> did, it, did it say something like? It said speaking Arabic. And Just I said, Arabic? <laughs> I was going, what is, what is he saying? We find out later. I learned what language it was, I guess. Mm-hmm. That was a win. But anyway, so he's driving pretty recklessly down the road. Yes. Decides but to stop right in front of a restaurant. He's causing all kinds of problems. Like, yeah. And then he slows right down, I guess. He took how many? He took two calls, right? And he's yelling, speaking Arabic, yeah. right? He's driving like, oh, like totally incapacitated. Slows down. And then what? And his phone rings again because whoever he's talking with wants to speak to him again. Mm-hmm. And then his car explodes. So that wasn't so good. I just want to point out at around the one minute nine mark in this particular episode, there's a dude who reacts to the explosion. There's an extra and he does so in a very sort of like, have you ever heard of Gumby? That sort of like wobbly doll. Oh yeah. That stretchy doll. So anyway, the explosion, it's like he, his timing was off. So the extra starts wobbling like, Oh, like he's being thrown around by the explosion. I love extras. Extras make me laugh. Like the choices they make is just amazing. And it's always been my dream to be an extra on a show like this. Or, you know, my fate, my most biggest dream was always to be on Star Trek The Next Generation. I wanted to be on the bridge when there was like, you know, we got hit by photons. We roll down the ramp, like, because the ramp was like, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> And they're like, oh, they they fall down and roll down the ramp. Yeah. I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> oh, I wish I had noticed that guy. <laughs> oh, well, I had to go back because I'd made a note of it the first time I watched it. So I wanted to go back. I'm like, oh, my God, that guy's absolutely out of, not even at the right time. Anyway, moving forward. <laughs> That's amazing. There's a huge explosion. Fine. Now our stars arrive. They do. And in a way that is very Booth and Angela and Brennan-ish by saying, oh, it smells like burnt flesh. Like, oh, it feels like I'm right there. I noticed Temperance was wearing a long skirt and a big Mm -hmm. belt. There's a big belt. There's a a few big belts in this episode that I just wanted to point out, like the fashion. And Temperance is wearing a long skirt and a big belt, and she's like putting her hair up, ready to get to work on this crime scene. Um, I just noticed her hippie skirt. I just thought that was interesting. Is that, do you think that's fashionable for the time? I assume so. I mean, for 2005, it's tragic, obviously. (laughs) I feel like I was wearing chunky belts and, but I feel like I had a nice like poof in my hair at that, at that point in my life. Oh yeah. Like I feel like she was missing that. Yeah. Well, that's not her (laughs) style, you know? I know, but anyway, I'm just I haven't figured out her style yet, but Angela's there. Question. Yes. Why is Angela there? I, I'm curious. I don't know. Because I don't fully understand her role. <laughs> <laughs> I <I'm>, like <laughs> she's by a computer all the time. Why does she need to be at the crime scene? <laughs> I don't think they know what her role is. Like I think that they're inserting her in scenes 
I don't know. Like I'm thinking about the writer's room. Uh, listen, I have a lot of issues with, with the way this character is written, as you know. Yeah. This episode being a very glaring example of that. But I just like, yeah, I was like, were they just at lunch together? Maybe they just showed up. They were in the car and driving by and they met, went yeah. to meet Booth. I have no idea. Yeah, there's not really an explanation for it. But she's there and she doesn't want to be there. She tries to keep it together. Yeah, but what's the point of that whole scene where she's there, doesn't like the smell, then she can't handle it. It made no impact on the plot. It had nothing to do with anything, that whole thing. It was very interesting. We just decided to just have this interstitial moment. Anyway, regardless. Yes. Homeland Security is there because obviously like everyone's racist and they assume that this guy was making an attack. Yes. Right off the bat, they're saying this can be problematic because this is a terrorist attack. Right. So they've got the victim. They say his name is Hamid Masrouk. Yeah. Apparently the head of the Arab, Arab American Friendship League, tight with the president. He was a White House consultant, I think, in Arab relations. Very big guy. But they're not sure. They have to confirm his identity, which is why they need her there. And she hates them. She Temperance hates. And this Homeland Security guy, perfectly fine. <laughs> not aggressive, not an asshole, not treating her terribly or talking down to her, being very accommodating. And she's treating him like crap. She kind of jumps to conclusions about him because I guess in her mind, they're jumping to conclusions about who this person is. And she wants to make sure that he has justice but she's a little dramatic (laughs) well we know that about her so we're just gonna ride with it yeah so this is where we learn something this we learn a little bit every time and this is an episode where we learn that vegetable oil is an effective burned flesh remover from surfaces i feel like this could have been a good advertising opportunity for them to be like (laughs) Vegetable oil, what or brand? Crisco. No name? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no frills, no name brand. <laughs> but yeah, so vegetable oil, she also needs surgical masks, gloves, sterile medical bag. Mm-hmm. Those things seem legitimate. Yeah, no, again, I'm not the uh, forensic anthropologist or whatever. And Zach is there to provide all these things as well as take pictures. And he likes to make weird comparisons, food yeah. comparisons. This time it was comparing burnt flesh to steak. Oh, is that what he said? So I think I think that that's or was that her? That might no. You know what? That might have been temperance. That she was saying it's just like steak on a barbecue. You got to use the vegetable oil to get it off. <laughs> I'm sorry, Zach. I threw you under the bus for no reason. So this is where Angela takes her leave. Yeah. She uh, also is being a bit dramatic. Again, didn't have to be there at all, but she's like has to leave. And then she, something about uh, temperance. Oh, she gives Booth an arm. (laughs) (laughs) Hands him a burnt off arm to put in a bag. And uh, she said she's seen worse. Like this is another thing we're learning about her character that she's been all over the world seeing these like major atrocities so she's very well versed but the the arm in a bag thing was funny and i'm not sure that booth as the 
Booth would actually be doing that. That's like contaminating a crime scene, right? I would think so. Yeah, I don't think that he should be part of that. I think Zach should be the person to help with that. Yeah. But I don't they even, like to is he even wearing gloves? Him. I don't remember him wearing gloves, to be honest. Yeah. And I, I would think that they would have to put like, you know, those little shoe things. Exactly. Like, and he's just walking all over with his exactly. nice lace up shoes. Exactly. So there are some obvious problems here. Although neither of us is a friend. <laughs> I'm not an expert, but I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't know how much like the, you know, conserving the integrity of a crime scene matters to these people, regardless. Seems um, like not a lot. <laughs> All right. So back at the lab, what do we yes. got going on there? I, I wrote okay. down, uh, they're assessing the remains, science talk, science talk, science talk. So yes, <laughs> science talk. And this is where Zach makes his comment. He calls the body smoky. There we go. He's not calling burnt flesh steak, but he is call- calling body smoky. And Brennan doesn't like that as always, but it doesn't seem to really stop him forcefully enough. Yeah, this is another thing because she had a whole talk with him in the last episode, didn't she? About how she yeah. needs to have respect, blah blah blah. But then she doesn't even like bring it up again. Anyway, yeah. Well, he like she just yeah, she likes him too much or something. I don't know. But Which... yeah, and Hodgins Hodgins goes on his little rant about how terrorism cripples economies, and I'm a conspiracy theorist, and blah blah blah. And I don't trust the FBI. So, but because of that, he's running his own test. So it fills some time. Hodgins. In the episode. Hodgins, Hodgins, Hodgins. A problematic character. My favorite character. <laughs> um, yeah. So again, this sets up the, this fortifies his sort of character trait that he's a conspiracy theorist and blah, blah, blah. Doesn't trust the government. And then of course talks about Booth. Did not realizing that Booth was in the room. Yeah, it's very. Uh, I'll give it this much. I'm gonna lay off on the negative talk too much. I, I'm sorry. I'm a little bit of a like. I get mad about <laughs> Hodgins because I hate. I really hate him. But it is an intense experience. This whole thing. Like I was thinking about it today as I was watching it. Like, okay, this is how many years after 9/11? There's a bomb that goes off in a very busy street. There's a lot of tension. I can't imagine, like, in reality, if this happened, like, wow, things would be high, high alert, high alert, and people would be, you know, on edge, probably. 100%. But also, one would hope they'd be professional, which is something that (laughs) temperance mouthing off at Homeland Security, and then the other talk that we're going to get to in a little minute, just that is irrelevant to the case, uh, is... I wonder how uh, it feels obtuse to me. The other issue is with Homeland Security. So Temperance is mouthing off at them because she doesn't like to be micromanaged. And then Booth is all upset and passionate and he she's being cold and calculating. And they're just having this back and forth with their different sort of motives and intentions behind what they're after in the case. 100%. He has tunnel vision. This is a terrorist attack then and there's nothing else about it. She's going, she's going, what the heck? Like, what are you talking about? Slow down. We got to look at the evidence. We got to prove that it's this guy. Take your time. You're right. So I thought that that was kind of interesting. Okay. The next next scene scene is exciting. Yeah. Well, we're introduced (laughs) to something new. 
Uh, go ahead, Brittany. What do we got? We have our flesh eating beetles. Yes. The yes. yes. I can't say this. Ooh, wow. You are, you're actually I, doing the Latin name. Good for you. I, I, I wrote it down, but Grade 9 Latin did not do well for me, I don't think. <laughs> you just have to go flesh eating beetles. Flesh yes. eating beetles. Flesh, flesh eating, eating beetles. beetles. <laughs> <laughs> and that chant would encourage them to clean the bones. <laughs> So in this thing, I don't know if they actually do this. This is a really good question. I'm assuming they do. Otherwise, they wouldn't go out of their way to show us this. Plus, my question to you is, isn't this more of a, a Hodgins thing? I would think so because he's the bug guy. So it's interesting that Zach, is they call him the bug guy. And I don't know if they've started to call him that, but they always call him that in later episodes, I remember. Yes. Um, spoiler alert. But... Yeah, it's, I think it's it's something that's interesting that Zach is doing, but I think it's a good opportunity for Zach to be doing it because it kind of gives us another, some more insight into his character that he's a bit of a weird, he's a weirdo guy. <laughs> yeah, he's, weirdo. he's these, definitely these are a weirdo. His pets, like they, he is like attached to these beetles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which again weird because i thought this was hodgins thing but anyway yeah yeah and whereas hodgins on the other hand we find out later because they use the beetles do come back uh has no sympathy for these beetles at all even though yeah. he's the bug guy so i'm i i this episode is i think that because it's so early in the sh- in the show they're still trying to f- navigate and figure out everyone's expertise on some level yeah because at one point uh later we'll talk about it they start building a replica of the bomb which i didn't know they also knew how to do yeah these are smart guys they can do anything (laughs) i guess but i thought they just looked at bones and stuff anyway um (laughs) (laughs) after we're introduced to the beatles uh we have our intro that's our big gross intro to the show How do we feel so far about the setup? I feel like the setup's good. I feel like I'm getting used to the characters. I have an idea of who this person that blew up his car was. I don't understand the motive yet because I'm on Brennan's side. This situation deserves a chance to figure out what actually happened. Yeah. But I'm disappointed. Less 90s music. There was less 90s music in the first like five minutes. Yeah. Not enough music for sure. What do you think? <laughs> um, well, it's again, it start it I'm telling you, they spent a lot of money on this show because explosions alone, I mean, they cost a lot of money and that's like a big deal. Pyrotechnics are a big deal. They require a lot of like safety and all that stuff. So, and it didn't look like it was CGI'd or whatever, you know. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think it's very, you know, big opening and 
there's a lot of intense stuff that happens in this episode and a yeah. lot of like especially even at the end it's so intense and i'm like wow how do you keep this intensity it's like really dramatic so we'll we'll um we'll talk about it i find it really funny how booth is still not fully fleshed out yet like i understand it's only episode two so i'm and I, I, as you know, I've watched up to the end of season two, so I know his character does develop. So it's, he, I see all the different directions and choices that they're taking him. And I'm like, I need them to get on point with him because I feel like yeah. he's a little bit all over the place. Um, 100%. And I think you're right. What you originally said that they were in the writer's room and they were trying to gauge what kind of character would be most popular with the audience. So his character is somewhat consistent in that, like, he's an army guy. He likes to stand up for what's right or what's just. But he doesn't have a lot of depth to him at this point. He's a surface character. He's sexy and sultry and brooding and handsome, and we love him. So I have all the patience in the world. 100%. He's also a close talker, so I don't know. That's a little odd. another episode they close talk so much anyway moving on we gotta get sorry we digress (laughs) okay so now where are we go ahead but i think that the next scene is basically brendan and booth we finally meet this alleged bomber's wife and brothers and they're both saying what are you talking about this definitely wasn't my brother this wasn't my husband but i'm also noticing that the brother has the same facial lesions yeah he's not that we saw he's not looking too good so the audience is going i'm pretty sure this might be your brother (laughs) question yes her accent is really bad right extremely bad 100 (laughs) percent her character just bothered me just just generally because i what i didn't understand is they're saying this isn't my brother this isn't my husband. Absolutely not. Have they reached him? Did they call him recently? Do they know where he is? Like, obviously, they're going to deny that and hope that it's not him. But it seems unusual that they're saying, no, no, no. Like, this definitely isn't him at all. I could see them saying he had no motive to commit a terrorist attack or this isn't his motivation. Like, my brother wouldn't do that. Right. I don't think, are they saying, I think they know he's dead. I just don't think, I think what they're saying is I don't think that he He did did it on purpose or whatever. It wasn't his intention to blow people up or whatever. Okay. I don't think they're saying that it's not him in the car necessarily. Is that what you're saying? That Yeah, that's, I think, where I, that's what I interpreted. But no, that would make way more sense what you're saying. So yeah, let's go with that. (laughs) he's definitely dead like there's no question (laughs) oh yeah for sure (laughs) i mean they used vegetable oil to remove his body from the car so they did and (laughs) possibly he is he was just ingested by beetles as well so i don't know Mm. there's lots going on there but yeah, yeah his his wife is just she is not having it she's all pissed off that they're intruding in their in their lives that the investigation is so intrusive and that they're talking to their friends, invading her house. Mm-hmm. And she's just saying, what the heck? Like, what is going on? And Brennan, being her usual self, is explaining <laughs> with absolutely no bedside manner whatsoever. <laughs> Sociopath. Anyway, oh, yeah. 
Is, is she saying, oh, yeah, you know what? This investigation is going to go on for a while because we there's just so many bone and blast fragments and we just got to, we have to put them together and basically saying, yeah, your husband's in like a million little pieces, but we got oh to put them together and Booth is going, shut up. What, I know. What are you doing? She just has no bedside manner, no filter. She's just. Oh, there's so many times like that's one thing that bothers me about her like as experienced as she is and how much she's seen in her life she's still so obtuse like she has no concept of certain things like shut up already anyway no, yeah so, 100%. <laughs> so so what happens next her, her and the brother are saying he's a great guy it couldn't be him and then temperance being a sociopath and yeah everything's very fishy because yeah the brother especially is giving off some vibes right yeah it seems like the wife is doing most of the talking the brother's kind of just sitting there with his facial lesions that i'm going why does he have the same facial lesions why does he not have the air conditioning cranked up because his brother did on the drive yeah so well they she truly believes he's not a terrorist so they ask for the medical records, for photographs when he was a kid. Um, basically, just say, they say, you know what, we can't do anything about it. We're going to continue our investigation. And I'm sorry that it's intrusive and invasive, but it's we're doing the best we can. Yes. So moving on back at the lab, everyone hates the Homeland Security guy again. Yes. So he looks like a great guy. I would hang out with this dude. He seems like a nice guy. Temperance is very rude to him. Now I have to talk about this next scene and we're going to talk about it together, but I'm just going to say this. Have you ever heard of a show called Homeland? Yes. Yes, I have. Have I've not watched it, but I've heard of it. I might have seen one episode of it. Anyway, go on. Anyway, this woman is, is she, she's CIA, I think. And she's like special ops on this show, Homeland. And she has mental health issues. It's really a huge thread through the whole series. And she has this thing when she goes off her meds, when she um, spreads paper all over the floor and... (laughs) tries to put piece the cases together anyway this isn't the same director as bones is it no but this is a weird thing that only i've only seen women do in shows like this where they're sitting on the floor with paper all around them and she's eating crackers or girl guide cookies or something reading paper it's the most uncomfortable position to be sitting in hunched over paper like reading it on the floor i don't understand she has a perfectly serviceable desk and a couch directly behind her (laughs) it doesn't make sense guess who comes knocking obviously angela because she just feels so bad about not being able to handle the burnt flesh and she wants to make some problematic comments as well my first (laughs) comment was that she walked into her office temperance's office brennan's office complaining about how much temperance works during a work day at work (laughs) saying she works too much it's like yeah but this is fine this is office hours she's supposed to be doing this 
there's like some kind of possible homeland security risk intense case going on right now. So, you know, some extra hours are going to be put in here. It's a little time sensitive, but Angela doesn't have a set rule. So she just wanders to crime scenes. She shouldn't be at to her computer area. I don't know. <laughs> she goes in the office, complains to Brennan about how much she works while Brennan's on the floor, surrounded by paper, eating crackers and then apologizes for not being able to handle all the burnt flesh. Then she then she changes the subject to trying to goad Brennan into going out to get drunk and go dancing and hook up with Booth. And in the last episode, Angela was saying that she wanted a piece of that. So it's like, mm, this is weird. <laughs> Why? Are they doing this because they don't think the characters or the actors have enough chemistry that they have to insert this exposition to make Angela, like, do this this is very weird this is similar to the question you had earlier about what does angela do what does she do and this is what she does in this episode and it drives me it does her no it it does a huge disservice to her as a character yeah. i feel like wow so this is what she's going to obsess over it's unfortunate that they are that they are sort of going that direction with their character because her character is this extremely talented artist, graphic designer, with, who's created this unbelievable program, but then they're kind of making her out to be a bit ditzy. Yeah, and like really, uh, what they call failing the Bechdel test, like very obsessed with men and relationships and all this type of thing. So she's trying to get Brennan to hook up with Booth, and like I have like serious issues with this whole idea, like why? Why does she want Brennan to hook up with this guy? They work together. It's a bad idea. Like, <laughs> Well, and also they don't really need to be pushing it because in my opinion, they have off the charts chemistry. Have you seen how close they talk? I know. I don't even talk to Greg like that. So <laughs> I don't talk to Mark like that. <laughs> yeah, we should have it's a meeting. Too close. <laughs> get, your, get yourself someone who talks to you as close as Booth talks to Temperance. <laughs> little invasive but yeah <laughs> so yeah so basically she's she 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 just brushes her off brushes her off as usual and says you know what i'm too busy why are you here nicely i have bones to bodies to identify from world war one yes like no i have pr other priorities because i have a job that i care deeply about so yeah she doesn't want to go to a club, get drunk, and hook up with some rando. So exactly. Um, also, Angela is wearing a huge belt. I just want you to mention. Oh, okay. <laughs> do we want to bring back this look? Like, is this a look that's? Gonna, do you think it'll be brought back? I think people still do it. I mean, I'm sure yeah. the housewives of Beverly Hills. One of them probably wears a big belt every now and then. Um, like a bedazzled one. Maybe. I don't think it's gone anywhere. It just seems yeah. sort of very prevalent in this particular episode. So yeah. Zach uh, interrupts them and tells them their bones are clean. So this is exciting. And we're done with that scene, thank goodness, because oh. Brennan got out of having to talk about hooking up with Booth. <laughs> oh my God. I seriously, regardless. Uh, yes. So what's next here? So Zach's got the clean bones. What are we doing now? So Brennan starts making a bunch of like signs, the observations, and she's going, okay, I think this is in fact Mazaruk. There's a statistical match. And she says, Zach, you get to do your first cranial reconstruction. Go ahead, do that. And then Homeland gets to 
have a, her give him a hard time again. Because he says, okay, you have this conclusion. Give me your notes. I need to report to my boss because I'm trying to do my job. And mm-hmm. she says, I'm working with Booth. I don't work for you. I go through him. And she just walks away from him. <laughs> yeah, this next scene is very interesting. Yeah, I know. I made a note, too, of how rude she is. And this is where I asked the question, like I t- mentioned before, like, would she actually get away with this? It sounds... The other yeah. question I had, too, about the whole identifying this guy I don't understand. She's saying statistically it's a match. Is this how they do it? Like, I would assume so because I, I, I would guess that they couldn't tell like 100 that they couldn't know 100% for sure that that's this person because DNA something or like dental records or something. Oh, he, those probably got blown up, but I mean, yeah, they like have all that- like the marrow or something. Well, they do test that later, but um, yeah, yeah. I'm just curious. This happens a lot in this show where she makes these conclusions about the ID, and then they rush to like notify the next of kin. And I'm like, wait a minute here. Do we not want to have some other kind of testing happening? (laughs) Like, how? What percentage is a statistical match? Like, is there a twenty percent chance it could be wrong, or is it like fifty one percent? God, (laughs) that wouldn't be good. But the other, sorry, the other thing that I, that I found, again, problematic about this scene, and it really is Angela, is Brennan acts, like, basically has a temper tantrum, runs off on this homeland guy, and she, Angela goes up to him and says, just ride her, ride her out like an earthquake. It's best to just ride her out like an earthquake. And he's going, what? <laughs> and I'm going, huh? Yeah, All no, right. I'm glad you brought that up because I was like, who talks to these guys like that? Yeah, like, I, I don't know, just some some sense of some sense of professionalism would be good. I feel like if I talk to my clients like this or like CRA auditors like this, which for those listening, I'm an accountant, so oh. this is, makes sense. I, I would get very fired. I would be so fired. <laughs> fired and also like I mean I have a very healthy respect for authority yes so same <sighs> I would just feel bad talking like that to someone who's obviously just trying to do their job exactly and that guy especially I really liked him okay here we go this is the fun part this is the fun part and probably my favorite scene but so tell me you <laughs> Oh boy. So Brennan in the middle of the night decides to because now that she has this this she has this statistical match, she drives to Booth's house completely unannounced. He opens the door, has his shirt unbuttoned, and which okay, that's fine because that's society like if society accepts that that is appropriate, so okay. And he answers the door and then I don't know why, but his girlfriend, Tessa, is just like, hey. She's wearing some lingerie, has his shirt on, unbuttoned, and is like, so hey. I don't care about her doing that. It's Brennan showing up. Oh, yeah. Like, send a text message, call ahead, something. You know, then the guy has some. Wait till tomorrow. (laughs) Wait till tomorrow. That's another thing. Yeah, exactly. Tessa's done not this, this character 
did nothing wrong. She was, no, absolutely not. And she did nothing wrong. It's just she was an a victim. Interesting, she was a victim of circumstance because maybe she was being considerate. Maybe she wasn't even wearing the shirt before she came to the door. Maybe, maybe not. But yeah. she she's there now. I'm just gonna say one thing. I'll probably say more than one thing, but her name, the actress's name is Ann Dudek. I don't know if that's how you say your last name. She is from a show that was like one of my all-time favorite shows of all time called The Book Group. And I would highly recommend anyone to watch that show. It was a fantastic, short-lived little show produced in Britain, I think. And she's an American that goes over to England or Scotland or something like that. And she's like starts a book group just to meet people. And that sounds awesome. But the people who are in her book group are absolutely, it's insane. The book group is crazy. So <laughs> it's an amazing comedy and she's so good in it. And she, this girl, this woman, sorry, I won't say girl, this woman, she works. Ever since I saw her in that show, and I'm trying to think, is that maybe late 90s, early 2000s? I think probably 90s. She has worked steadily for many, many years. She's got over 60 credits to her name on IMDb. And I'm really, I always love to see that, you know? Oh, for sure. Anyway, I'd highly recommend it. It's very funny. And they really sexed her up in this episode. And she was never really, she goes like, she's a chameleon. She can go from being like sexy to kind of dowdy to all kinds of different ways. I really, she's really good. I really like her. And I have nothing bad to say about her character in the show. Go. <laughs> no, that's good. I, I do. I, I do like her character a lot. I feel bad for her in the sense that like, she obviously is going, what the heck is going on? Why is this woman showing up in the middle of the night? Like, I don't know that that can't make her feel good, but her character is quite interesting. But yeah. So we learned, we learned she's a corporate lawyer. She's got her life together. She's a sexy corporate lawyer. Yes. And yeah, it's just a very uncomfortable scene, I think. And it's Temperance's fault. And also Booth's. Also Booth's. Yes, because he could have just not picked, he could have just not opened the door. Or he, he could have opened it and been like, listen, now's not a good time. Yeah. Please leave. <laughs> He's, they're too, um, yeah. what are they, was that called? They're enmeshed already. Yes. Two episodes in. She's she's cock blocking him left, right, and center. It's hundred percent. So he basically he goes, gives Tessa a kiss, and then he says, "Oh, I gotta go work." Like, oh yeah, I was just about to go to work. Uh, no, you were not. No, you were not, Booth. So so, what? so yeah. she stays there, I guess, by herself. Yeah, she just stays at his place, I guess, and then. Booth offers her Brennan to come with him, but I'm pretty sure that she must have driven separately. She doesn't strike me as the public transit type. Question. I've only watched up to season two, as I said. I've never seen Brennan drive. Does she have a car? Yes. She does have a car. She's a okay. Jeep. Yeah. <laughs> I think. I'm almost positive. It's not like a Jeep Wrangler. It's like a Jeep Cherokee or something. But yeah, she drives. Okay. She drives. She drives. All right. Just curious. Well, maybe unlike me, she might drive standard too. We'll find out. (laughs) I don't know. know. But yeah. So then he leaves her. 
Exactly. So what what happens what happens next? So now they go back to I guess they're back at FBI headquarters. I still don't know geographically how far away the Jefferson Institute is from the FBI offices because they seem to go back and forth a lot. But she's there and they do they do this thing where they enter rooms arguing all the time or there's some kind of thing happening there amid conversation and she's laughing at him because she just can't understand how he has is in a relationship. She just can't believe it. And then she calls him what an alpha male or something. Something she, she's like got, that. She's a little bit insulting when she's like so shocked that he would could possibly have a girlfriend. Right. And then she's like telling him she gaslights him a lot by like laughing at him for having a relationship. And then he defends himself because, of course, she puts him on the defensive. And then she starts yelling at him about how it's anthropologically um, important to have relationships. And anyways, it's a lot. She gaslights him a lot. She got yeah. I've noticed that. That's one thing I've really noticed. That's like flipped on the switch. And they're talking close. They're like this far away from each other. <laughs> this far. Like a centimeter. Like, Their noses are basically touching. <laughs> I, like, what did they eat? Question. Was he just having sex with Tessa? Did he brush his teeth before he went and started close talking with Brennan? I certainly hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! All right. Oh, boy. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> then, uh, yeah. Then they get, they get, they're yelling interrupted by somebody with a file folder and a report telling them that uh, Hamid was actually murdered. Yes. That they, that bomb, that a bomb is placed under the car connected to the odometer. So when we heard that phone ring, it possibly was related to the bomb. I'm not sure. I'm not clear on that either. I thought he'd received two phone calls. I, I don't know. I just know he yeah. got one call that he had the yelling in Arabic and then the second one. But the if it's connected to the odometer, would that have to do with how fast he's going? I think it must be or like a certain the number distance? of kilometers. Yeah. Like once he gets to like 70,000 kilometers on his car. But yeah, then, like it'll go off after it goes five kilometers after it starts or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I you're just, right. This, I find Booth's boss, Booth is very, like, he doesn't really stand up for himself just generally with Brennan. And his boss is kind of a dick as well. <laughs> like, he's asking, he asked him, oh, like, Booth asked, asked his boss, so, uh, like, do we have a suspect or like just generally like that seems like a good question perfectly and legitimate question legitimate question and he's going that's what we're paying you for like oh okay <sighs> well thank you sir <laughs> sometimes he's like yeah something happens later too in this episode where i'm like wow if somebody talked to me like that i'd be like whoa sorry i like you know what i mean like exactly i'd be like wow i'm Sorry, geez. Anyway, my bad. Uh, <laughs> they bring on, uh, they bring the wife back in. Yep. And uh, Booth and Temperance are backing and forthing. <clears throat> He's trying to be politically correct. She's being really brutally honest. And uh, yeah, 
I don't know. This is a bit interesting to me. I, I noticed this because she's being honest. And, you know, on one hand, I appreciate people being honest. I do. Honesty is great. It's just the way she kind of delivers that honesty can be kind of troublesome sometimes, you know? Yeah, especially with this subject matter as well. Like the, the, they're sort of dancing around the whole idea that the FBI is xenophobic. And right. that's a and, pretty dangerous thing to be overly, overly blunt about. Because I think honesty in that situation maybe is a good thing, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I don't know either. And it's not really her place to say anything anyway. Brennan's the doctor. Yeah. Boothia. Anyway, it's always very, like I said, it's enmeshed. So they sort of the motivations behind them. Anyway, it's very interesting to see this dynamic, but anyway, I found this kind of pandering where I was, I was thinking about this, how temperance told the wife that she was going to try to retrieve as much of the remains as possible so that they could have a proper um, Muslim burial. Yeah. And I don't, don't ask me, don't put me to the test. Don't give me a hard time. I don't know what the proper Muslim burial is, honestly. Um, <clears throat> I felt this was a bit pandering on Temperance's part. Like, we're supposed to be, oh, wow, Temperance, you're so worldly and amazing. What? <laughs> and I'm seeing yeah. this through the 2021 lens, obviously, where, you know, she's being very, like, wow she's amazing because she knows this thing about this tradition and it's like okay <laughs> yeah well it, it it comes across a bit disingenuous because about like a minute before she was talking about how some of the body is still seared to the wreckage like yeah she's like trying to be empathetic suddenly but two seconds before she was being like yeah, your husband's body is in pretty bad shape. Oh, yeah. Like, he's all melted and sort of stuck to stuff. So I have to, like, get the special scrapers out. But, you know, we'll do it for your Muslim burial, girl. Don't you worry. Exactly. 100%. <laughs> I was like, wow. So okay. it, it's a little much. Yeah, I guess all is forgiven. Like, her her bluntness and her, you know, frankness and all that stuff is just forgiven for her being so abrasive. Because she understands what the wife needs. Anyway, yeah. moving on, moving on. So, oh, yeah, this is where Booth slips in um, the phone call. Yeah. So we, we find out that that phone call was actually with um, the, phone, the last phone call that he took, Kimmy took, was with her. So it's interesting because they were, he was yelling, again, in Arabic and translation not included. But we'll never know. No, we'll never know. But there was yelling. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, she admits there was a... Oh, God. I'm excited about this next scene. Anyway, so the <laughs> admits that they were arguing and she regrets them having this last conversation. Of course, of course. Anyone would regret this, obviously. It's a nice reminder, like, try not to leave conversations in a bad way. Exactly. You just never know when your car's going to blow up, you know? Hundred percent. So what ha- what happens next, Kelly? Oh Tell god! Me. <laughs> oh god! So now this is another scene where Brennan and 
is it Brennan? Yeah, Brennan and Booth are walking into somewhere, yelling at each other and arguing about things. They're going, I call it the Chinese local. It's their Chinese local. So they go to their, their local, friendly local Chinese restaurant they like to go to in season one anyway. I don't think they went back in season two. Anyway, they go a lot to this Chinese restaurant, which I like this restaurant. I would go to this restaurant. It's super classic and amazing. Anyway, they're yelling at each other. Um, I think it's mostly about how Brennan thinks that Booth's a misogynist and he thinks that she doesn't know what the hell's going on because Booth thinks the wife is having an affair and Temperance sees no evidence of that. So Booth's evidence is that she lost weight. She colored her hair. What else did she do? I... I can't, those were the two that I wrote down, but basically she tried to make herself look better, (laughs) but that couldn't possibly be for her own self-improvement. No, God forbid. (laughs) God forbid I should want to lose weight and change my hair. It's for a man and and not any man, a man or, or woman other than her husband. (sighs) Jesus. (laughs) Seriously. So she's calling him a chauvinist and he's saying she's dumb. And then, of course, Angela just happens to be sitting at a table at the Chinese restaurant and decides to interject in this argument. And this is where I was talking about earlier where Booth yells at her. He says, we're having a private conversation. I was like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) But that's as far as it goes. Like, then it's like, we're having a private conversation. Ah, Okay, just join. So she just lets it go. She's very accommodating to people being like this towards her. It's interesting. Um, So, yeah, he's an asshole to her, but she's fine with it. And then. um, Which I guess. Sorry. I was just thinking like. She's fine with it. And Brennan, but Brennan is, I'm just thinking like Brennan is supposed to be her best friend. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be. Like someone who really cares about social justice and making sure, like she's always calling him names, blah blah. blah. But she doesn't choose that opportunity to be to try to stand up for Angela. She just kind of lets it go. I know. Like, sad. don't treat my friends like that. Like, no, exactly, nothing like that. Doesn't say anything about. Geez, what's the matter with you? Like. Nobody's checking in with Booth. Maybe he's being triggered back to his like war days and sniper days. Like maybe he's having like major PTSD or something. Nobody's checking in with him either. Exactly. Oh my God. Anyway, so this is where we find where Angela finds out that Booth has a girlfriend. And doesn't she start prying about their sexy sleepover? No, about how she starts calling the lawyer Tessa sexy. Mm-hmm. Like not not just like that her, her appearance. She like literally instead of calling her Tessa, she just calls her sexy. That's where so, Tessa called her a sexy lawyer, right? Yes. So she really piles on, oh, agrees God. with Booth's affair, affair theory, and then starts prying about sexy sleeping over. So it's just it, it's it's an interesting scene. Also, Angela <laughs> agrees with Booth that the woman, the wife of Hamid, is having an affair. Yeah. But yeah, Angela, this, and I knew, right, even the first time I watched this episode, that this was like, oh, Angela's going to start obsessing about this now. Yeah, for sure. Because apparently she has nothing else to do. No. 
she just sits at restaurants waiting for Booth and Brennan to show up. Exactly. <laughs> so Temperance runs away saying, I'm going to go look at real evidence while you guys sit around talking about dumb, non-existent evidence. <laughs> She's all in a huff. So she goes back to the lab. Zach is sifting through a bunch of bones and they can't figure out what's wrong with them. There's something wrong with the bones. Like they can't figure out what's going on. And every time I write down, write down Hodgins in my notes, I capitalize his name because it's like, oh, Hodgins is here again. <laughs> and here's this is what I find really funny because Temperance is like a superhero, right? Zach doesn't know what's going on with these bones. Hodgins, Hodgins doesn't know what's going <laughs> on. So then she goes, oh, let me look. So she sits down at the um, microscope and immediately sees an anomaly and starts like trying to figure it out and decides what it is what's wrong with this guy's bones so she starts going wait based on these bones i think he he's been poisoned or he has some degenerative disease like lupus or something which makes sense i guess as a person who's not an forensic anthropologist but yeah, you're right. Like she comes in, she takes a small, tiny look at this. These other two people are supposed to be geniuses as well, but they didn't look. How long have they been there? Yeah, it seems Temperance and Booth were arguing at the Chinese restaurant. How long have Zach and Hodgins been back at the lab trying to figure out what's wrong with these bones? She walks in within less than five minutes. She's figured out there's something going on with, there's some kind of degeneration happening. Exactly. So it doesn't take long. And then they say, we got to go visit the brother because he had those lesions on his face. Mm -hmm. And basically that, that was all that we heard about the disease. She kind of Brennan kind of says oh sorry Zach I led you astray you're trying to glue together things that aren't going to glue together we got to do more testing and they talked to Fareed Masaryk's brother yes and this guy I just get an off vibe from him from the beginning like why is he so adamant why why does it it seems unnecessary that he's so adamant that he's Christian that seems like an unnecessary detail I didn't really pick up on that the first time or the second time. I just thought it was one of those details. I didn't even realize, I didn't make it, put it together that this was a tactic of insurgents, I guess, on mm-hmm. some This is the way they do it. They, But I mean, there's been many movies and shows and books based on this sort of infiltration, like people do, like... Uh, I think communist spies used to come and be completely Americanized and like all those things. And so it's makes sense. Obviously yeah. we don't know that yet. <laughs> no, <laughs> we do not. But yeah. I thought that was kind of odd, but he, he basically is just, he, he's talking to them and he says, Oh yeah. Um, I really, I really shouldn't say, but yeah, my, yeah, my brother was getting cheated on. And it was with someone that he worked with. Can you believe that? Well, didn't she work with him too? Like, yeah, it happens all the time. Regardless. Um, why did he tell them that? Oh, because he was giving them a, a direction to point, obviously, to look at. But I, I have, do you remember what he said about being a Christian, but also thinking that he should get, what's the word he used? 
to get rid of his wife, he, he used a word um, where they sort of disown the wife or something like that. Yeah, it was not like, not like divorce, but. No, I can't that remember. Was the, that was the idea, though, that like to try to separate themselves from their wife. Yeah, so he converted to Christianity affair. Okay, fine. So then we're going to go back to the lab. And fun times, Angela's obsessing about Booth's girlfriend. <laughs> like, Zach and Hodgins are trying to get some work done, and she's... Exactly. What is she doing? What is her job? But yeah, Angela's just kind of getting up in their business, and they're trying to work, and she's saying, oh yeah, Booth's girlfriend stays over a few times a week. She has enough pent-up sexual energy um, to boost a... No, she was saying about Brennan. She has enough pent-up sexual energy to power a small Midwestern city. Again. That's their boss. Also, <laughs> what kind of friend are you, girl? Yeah. Doesn't like, seem professional. Don't tell these nerds about your friend's sex life. It's not no. good. <laughs> especially Hodgins <sighs> I don't know Hodgins yeah especially Hodgins but also Zach remember his well, version Zach comment is in the first episode him, right? yeah <laughs> okay well anyway so basically they're trying to do their job and she decides and... to go snoop and stalk Booth's girl. yes oh boy Angela Angela, Angela, Angela. And then there's a, a key. They find some gypsum. Where did they find the gypsum? Was it in the remains or the marrow? Or what did they? No, that was later. Sorry. They found some drywall dust. Yeah, which gave them an idea of where the bomb was made from some insulation or something. Yeah. But. Oh, were they examining the bomb fragments? Maybe the bomb fragments. We're both bad. Maybe. I didn't write this down. I didn't write it down either. Hodgins was uh, doing that. So anyway, Booth decides to interrogate the guy that the wife is having an affair with and is being a huge racist dick. And for some reason, Brennan is not in the room. Which yeah, she's watching, right? From the is a good thing, but anyway. <laughs> Why would she be there anyway? She's the doctor. She's not going to inter anyway. Yeah. <laughs> we we find out that so basically Santana, um, Booth's favorite boss and only boss, uh, barges in and says, you gotta release this guy that, the guy that's been begging for a lawyer this whole time, but you have been, as you said, a racist dick and you're not allowing him to leave. Um, oh yeah, by the way, he's a mole for Homeland Security, so you need to get him out of here, like, right now. Yeah. And Booth just punches the wall and lets him go. Yeah, Boss gives him, like, a dressing down and basically says, like, you're, you've stepped out of bounds, basically. Yeah. And another thing we're discovering about Booth is that he has ego issues. His, his ego is very large. And also very fragile. Hundred <laughs> percent. So in the next scene, we have Booth driving like a madman, 
And uh, it's evidenced by sound effects only. A lot of honking and screeching of wheels. I don't see him actually driving super erratically, but whatever. <laughs> Temperance is in the car with him. And she's like, calm the hell down. Do you want me to drive? She's always asking him to drive. That's a funny through line, I think. Just like, do you want me to drive? I'll drive. You know, that's kind of funny thing. And uh, yeah, I want you to talk a little bit about this because I have a couple things I noticed there is, and I put like a little siren in my notes that I shouldn't actually talk about what the spoiler is, but oh. this scene is a massive spoiler for his for his character oh, because really? it gives you a hint as to something that he struggles with, and it's a huge storyline in the future episode in future seasons. Really, but I will is not it say. What I think it is. I don't know, but I, I'll, I'm going to remember this episode. And when we talk about it, when, when it comes up in a future episode, I'm going to circle back. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm I was watching this I, and I, I was like, saying, oh. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm trying to put two and two together. It's mostly about what Booth has ingested. I'm just trying to think here. Okay. Okay. Yes. So okay. yeah. So they're driving radically. Brennan is being her usual self and, you know, just like, really trying to make him feel better by telling him, uh, talking about Tessa and how he's killed a lot of people. Again, <laughs> mentioning his sniper past casually again. It, it pains me how bad she is at making conversations. <laughs> and I love her. I love her character. Oh, like, I, I'm insulting her. I know, but I love her character. Like, and I, she, she grows on me and I think her character development is amazing, but at this moment in time, it's like yeah. temperance. Get it together. Well, at least you know. <laughs> at least you know. If you met her at a party, the conversation would be it, different. Like, I think that at a party, it would be, like, interesting because you wouldn't have to talk about the weather. She'd really get into it, you know? 100%. <laughs> And I appreciate that. I want. I don't want to talk about the weather. I want to get down to the nitty gritty. I don't need to be talking about how much real estate is. That's so boring. Like, let's talk about the exactly. real estate. <laughs> like, I don't want to depress myself by talking about how Toronto housing is unaffordable. Just give me <sighs> the details on how to use vegetable oil to help clean a burn body. <laughs> exactly. These are the things we need to know. Exactly. So, so. Yeah, what happens next? We're well, back just, in the lab, I, mean, I think, right? I think at the end of the day, after this conversation is like super um, uh, explosive and everything, she reassures Booth that they're going to find the culprit. She tries to make him confident that they're going to find them. Um, I'm trying to think. I just wonder, did they get a phone call during this? Not during this. Not scene. this car ride? Okay. So they go yeah, back to the lab. next one, I think. Zach and Hodgins, do they have their own homes? Uh, they seem to be at the lab all the time. Yeah, they don't seem, from what it seems, they don't have a big social life. Yeah. And they possibly live in a location that is extremely close or maybe in the lab. <laughs> exactly. And they've also, they're also establishing this weird rivalry. I don't know. It's like, a it's, it's almost friendly though. Like, they, they don't totally hate each other. They're definitely competitive. Yeah. And they like to sort of insult each other. But you can tell that there's some level of 
respect there almost is they respect that they're both very intelligent people. Right. So they've discovered, how did they find out there's a toxin in Hamid's body? I think it was when Zach successfully glued back together the skull. So Hodgins had rebuilt the bomb. Zach at this point had had put the the skull back together and they conclude based on the skull, once it's back together, that it, that he was exposed to a toxin after all. But they go, okay, which this is, is amazing. A burn victim. It's incredible. This is an amazing, like, just with the naked eye, temperance. Consent. Yeah. Amazing. And, and this is based on a real person. So I would like to know how much of this is actually real. Henny, we're going to read some books. Don't you? Worry? <laughs> oh, I have hope a little, so. Uh, temperance Brenham um, book club. It's going to be great. I love it. So, yeah, now they have to test the marrow. Now, this is the really unfortunate scene. I want you to do this and I'm going to maybe interrupt you, but go. Oh, please interrupt me because I, <laughs> well, I don't know. I found this very problematic. I, I don't, first of all, Angela walks into this cafe. She has a full printout, like a full page exactly. on this lawyer. Like, where is this from? Is she, is she a cop suddenly? Abuse of power, my friend. 100%. And she makes a point to, she's basically like looking for this girl based on this picture, obviously going too far. She pretends to drop her purse right beside her, starts a conversation with Tessa, because obviously Tessa seems like a nice person she's and is going to help her. Who doesn't deserve any of this. Go on. Yes. Well, but like she, <laughs> she uses the, the purse drop tactic. Mm-hmm. If she weren't a nice person and she's just trying to have a coffee. Which was a low fat donut, we find out later. Um, <laughs> with a low fat donut, who cares? But if she wasn't a nice person, then wouldn't she just be like, oh, that sucks that this idiot dropped their purse inside me? I'm not going to make conversation with them. You, you do your own thing, pick your crap up. I don't care. Keep going. Unbelievable. But she chats with her and helps her. What is she up to? The printout alone. Like I paused it to look at the information that was on this piece of paper. It was tons of personal information. I was like, where did she get this? Who gave it? Who gave her the right to do that? Like, I thought, wow, like, is she going to the FBI to get this stuff and doing like background checks on this woman? Like, that would be really, I would feel really violated. And if Tessa ever finds out, she should run away in the other direction because these people are crazy. Insane. And you would think, so I think because of the program that she created, that Angela created, I think that she has access to like the FBI database, all these various databases so she can extrapolate information, height, weight, high color, whatever about these people. I like think you're right yeah shouldn't there be some sort of security on it that you have to be working an active case well look someone up. Some kind of boundary like you should be getting permission to do that sort of thing and like why do you need this information blah 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 right it's not just for fun and games you know poor tessa we've made our point angela yes we have this in this particular episode angela is insane <laughs> she's insane she's insane Anyway, too far. They go back to the lab and Angela interrupts actual real work. She interrupts work. That's all she does in this episode. 
Tishit talk, Tessa. Oh, I feel so bad for her. Poor Tessa. What what does she 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 basically she comes back? What does she say about her? That uh, she's obviously insecure about her body because she's eating a low fat muffin, and she's reading a book about FBI cases. So she's super insecure. So she has to like you know, trying to, you know, read about the FBI so that she and Booth will have something to talk about. It's like, well, no, she's like, just taking, she's like, oh, my boyfriend's in the FBI. This is interesting. Maybe I'll read something. And maybe she likes low-fat muffins. Like, who gives a shit? <laughs> she's definitely reading way too far into this and trying like, to make a case for Brennan. Like, leave her alone. Jesus. What's so crazy about this is it's completely unsolicited. Brennan doesn't want her to be looking into this nobody she never no, asked <laughs> nobody asked anybody to do this oh boy temperance comes in they're all talking about they're all talking about booth and how and temperance then, is in having a dry spell sexually and it's mortifying this is all mortifying to me <laughs> it seems like a good conversation like if i think of, if i were to read a manual on how to talk to your boss I, I think that maybe they would leave this out of it. Like getting an idea of your boss's sexual preferences, stalking, stalking their potential future partners, girlfriend. I don't know. It's a disaster. Seriously. <laughs> it's insane. So for anyone listening, uh, don't do that in front of your boss. Yeah. Like don't just leave it alone. You know, <laughs> It's none of your business. Exactly. And if you want to talk about their sex life, do it with your friends in private, away from work. And not with the opportunity for this potential future mate to walk in on the conversation. Oh, my God. Terrible. Um, so anyway, they try to figure out what kind of toxin is in this guy's body or was in it before he died. And they have to extract it from the Beatles because there's no more marrow left. So Hodgins makes a joke about how people in Thailand fry the Beatles in oil because Zach is super upset they have to kill a few of the Beatles to extract the toxin or whatever isn't the marrow or whatever stuff is inside their bodies. So again, bug guy, not very empathetic to bugs. Yeah, it's odd. <sighs> Oh, well, here we go with uh, Angela playing with doing her job now. Exactly. Angela. That's what I wrote down. I said Angela's <laughs> finally doing her job. <laughs> finally. Finally. You know what? Angela should have taken three days off work during that time and then come back to do this simulation. 100%. Hmm. Well, fortunately, so because, they, because they have the reconstructed skull, thank you, Zach. Um, then they're able to be Angela is finally able to do her job and she reconstructs basically this, um, image of what this person looks like and they confirm for sure hundred percent. This is Hamid. Um, and basically that was all that was really helpful. I think they that situation. Yeah, they determined that he was poisoned four months earlier. He started getting poisoning four months yeah. before he was killed. They were able to backdate when he when he ingested the poison based on the reconstruction. 
So then they go down. Oh, right. So because of how awful Booth was towards the Hamid's wife's lover, Ali, he's not allowed to touch this guy because he's a Homeland Security mole. But Booth thinks they got to shake him down a little bit more. So they he brings Brennan with him to shake him down on the street. This is a very interesting scene. Um, so Brennan wants to ask Ali a few more questions because he's trying to figure out... I don't know. They're trying to figure out if he has an alibi for about four months ago to see if he poisoned Hamid. So they go to shake him down. Temperance asks him a question and he is well within his rights not to answer these questions. Like he doesn't have to do any of this legally. And 100%. She physically assaults him. <laughs> yeah. Which is now that's, that's two for two. Like she did it in the first episode twice. And now once in this episode that she's just assaulting random men. We should learn that trick, though. She does the same thing. I like this self-defense thing that she does where she grabs them by the arm, twists them and flips them. I really would like to learn how to do that. It would be cool to learn. Maybe I'll look that up. We'll look on how to see it and we can do a video. That'd be really funny. I want you to do it to Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Mark would never know who. Like nine months pregnant, nine months pregnant, (laughs) flipping Mark over. Oh man. Okay. Well, I would even like to see that. So I think that's really funny. (laughs) So yeah, they have, he basically has an alibi. So he, he gets physically assaulted and coughs up an alibi, which I don't know. Like he should have just told them, you know, which it makes me, it makes me worried for him in this episode because He's a mole for Homeland Security, and they're just talking about it out in the open. I know. Anybody could be listening. Exactly. So they basically get their answer, and then they just leave him laying there in the middle of the sidewalk. On the ground, like crippled. Oh, my God. So much pain. Exactly. The ground like that. Oh, my God. I used to do gymnastics. So, yes. Oh, wow. Yes, I do. A little painful. You were using, like, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's still painful. These on <laughs> concrete. Yeah. Okay. Doesn't apply. <laughs> no. But still but now, painful. Yes. Well, they, they get back in the car. They leave him. And Booth is saying, oh, I think it's the wife. And Brennan's going because she has to disagree with him. No, no, no. no. It's, not, it's, not, it's not the wife. And let's talk about your sexy girlfriend again. <laughs> it was a little awkward. But anyway... She right. makes this, she gives this opportunity. She uses this opportunity to tell Booth that she's single. So now he knows. That was a little awkward, but this is when they get the call. They get a call from Zach and they say, you know what? The bomb was made in the Woodley Park neighborhood. And it just so happens to be where Fareed, Kameed's brother, lives. Mm. So cue Booth's uh, extremely reckless driving at this point. Makes a U-turn, and what happens next? I just wanted to also mention just briefly, because I made a note here that back at the lab, Zach and Hodgins are suddenly bomb people. They know how to build bombs. Anyway, so yeah, moving on. They're trying to figure out how the bomb was built, I guess, so they could see. They're trying to do their science stuff, so that's fine. Zach calls them, tells them where the bomb is built. I guess they're very close to where Hamid lives. And they're very, uh, this is really an interesting scene because it's very fast and furious how they suddenly 
all this evidence just appears out of nowhere just with some very quick searching so they break in the door and uh run through uh uh farid sorry farid's apartment and they find all this evidence all over the place including let's look at this list of evidence here they see i wrote down they go through a bunch of shit (laughs) and they 100 (laughs) and they see a bunch of stuff that i guess was hidden away but like things like there's a massive hole in the wall like how big is this apartment that they didn't notice this massive hole in the wall i guess the door was closed on that room i don't know i think it was in a different room yeah insulation's missing so number one evidence yes what what else do we have uh she found uh a carpet and some sort of fundamental uh islamic uh, paraphernalia and pamphlets that proved that he wasn't actually a Christian, that it was like, it actually said on the pamphlet she found, like, how converting to Christianity is, like, the best way to infiltrate the infidel or whatever. So that was proof that he wasn't actually Christian, that he was, like, this fundamentalist that was, like, trying to get in there. Exactly. Well, they found a bunch of stuff in a room uh, to build bombs with to make dioxin. So they realized Oh, he built another bomb. Oh, Booth somehow finds a little basket of stuff under his bed. Yeah. Bomb shit. (laughs) Bomb things. (laughs) And then there's also, they find a, like the, the car manual for, or some manual for Hamid's car. And they're like, he's like, oh, it's dog-eared on the corner for Hamid's car. (laughs) For the odometer page. favorite piece of evidence. (laughs) Was the manual for his SUV with the dog-eared page? That was so funny like, to me. Why? Why? <laughs> why is know. the dog-eared? <laughs> just the fact that he had the manual. I don't know. I just thought it was like, just happened to grab it. Look here. Look at this. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I, I guess he's not using the internet at this point. He didn't just do a quick Google search. <laughs> I don't know how sophisticated the internet was at that point. That's like true. how how good wikipedia was and all those things facebook had just come out at that point i think what i think i think facebook had just come out oh god yeah you're probably right i think or like a year before anyway but yes so all this all this points to him being the bomber he is the bomber Mm -hmm. oh wait no there's one last very important piece of evidence Mm-hmm. Today's day is marked on a calendar. Oh, God, I forgot that. <laughs> like, thank goodness these terrorists keep good records. How would they, oh, how would they know? <laughs> and it just like, there, sitting on the table, like he needed to be reminded, today's the day. Oh, today's, my God. Today's the bombing day. Like, don't forget to put it in your phone or forget. <laughs> and at 5.30 sharp. So yeah. now they're freaking out because they got to get to this unknown location where the bomb is going to be. This is the funny part. Well, besides, okay, so they find out from Zach, who's on the phone with Temp at the time, right? Temperance, who tells them that with the type of bomb that they're making, it would have a a blast radius of 500 meters, and then it would also affect people who didn't die from the blast by getting, you know, all kinds of things physically wrong with them for the future. Yeah. And then they decide, or not, they don't decide. This is my, my favorite part was trying to figure out where Farid was going with this bomb, where, what his target was. And Angela is on 
the phone looking at bus schedules. Does Booth not have anyone that works at the FBI that would that would do this? <laughs> like, I watched Mission Impossible movies back at this time. I know that there there's more sophisticated technology available that where they could figure out probably even like CCTV cameras like all over the place, right? Exactly. I don't but know. No. They had drones. I have no idea. They're, why would they use any of that when they can just they rely on Angela? Angela. <laughs> she did help, though. She finds she the place. She, she lists off a bunch of, of potential bomb locations mm-hmm. and a peace conference at the Hamilton Cultural Center. Ding, ding, ding. That's it. So they go. Is it named after Alexander Hamilton? Alexander Hamilton. Is it named I after hope him? So. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. Probably. Maybe. That was a great okay. musical. Okay, this is very fast. So let's see what happens next. You go. Yeah, this ends, the, like, everything gets wrapped up extremely quickly. So they arrive at the Hamilton Cultural Center. They don't have any backup. It's just Booth and Brennan. And then Booth is calling Farida Target. And she's saying, and Brennan picks this opportunity to be like, it doesn't make it easier for you to shoot him. If you have to, and he's going, okay, this is not an appropriate time. But yeah, Brennan spots a, a brown guy, and it seems a little racist that she goes, <laughs> yeah, that's the bomber. So it wasn't <laughs> at that point, I don't think. But then oh they, they, do, they do see Fareed walking with a limp. Right. What happened? So- I just say that during this time, while Temperance and Booth are running around looking for him, and they've, they're looking, they're, they've gone to the top so that they can oversee the whole atrium and they can see everybody coming and going. Some random Homeland Security guy, one backup Homeland Security guy, enters into the Hamilton Cultural Center, draws his gun immediately. No one says anything. Like he's just walking around with his gun, like ready to go, and nobody's afraid. Like if somebody walked into like a mall, like a security dude and they pulled a gun I'd be like what the fuck's going on <laughs> especially down! especially based on the time based oh on the time God. like you said it was right after 9-11 people are on edge like not wow. right after but it's a couple years after so yeah. like yeah if someone pulled a gun in the middle of like if I'm at the mall or I'm at a center or whatever someone pulls a gun I'm already I'm, oh I would probably scream I'm assuming I'm a little jumpy yeah, this is this happens very quickly, like you said. So, what happens when they spot or temp, temperance spots him based yeah. on anthropological signs? But what does um, Booth need? Booth needs to see his face. Mm-hmm. So he called. They call out his name. Yes. He turns around, and Booth, being the sniper he is uses his small gun to shoot him squarely in the head. Yeah, right in the middle. After Fareed picks up the trigger for the bomb in his hand, he's ready to blow it. My question is, I don't know anything about bombs. I don't know from bombs. I'm just saying, sometimes some bombs are like, they have these things called dead man's dead man switches and stuff. Like, Wouldn't you be a little bit more careful like what if he land like falls back and it blows up like i'd be worried about that like in a major yeah, they, way they don't really seem to try to talk him down at all 
It's just it, don't evacuate it the building. Nothing. Exactly. And fortunately, Homeland is suddenly there. They quickly disarm the bomb. I think. I, I like. So. It was it couldn't it have also been on a timer? So there's the dead man switch option. There's a, like a timer option. I don't know. We have there's, to ask Zach and Hodgins these things because they're the bomb experts. Exactly. Well, we need to learn more about bombs, clearly. But that seems like a problematic <laughs> thing to try to Google. Don't say so that out loud, Brittany. That. That's terrible. <laughs> you definitely don't want to be Googling, like, how do bombs work? I or, must learn more about bombs. I must learn more. <laughs> So I can more, so I can understand no. the bones better. No, you don't need to know more about bombs. We'll, ju- we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Although, now, anyway, here's, here's the denouement. Here's the end of the thing. We're back at our Chinese local. Yes, and they're staring long. Bruce and Brennan, they stare longingly into each other's eyes for like a decent amount of time here. So. They have a moment. Booth asks if, if she wants another drink. And Brennan goes, uh, why are you even here? Go home to Tessa. Mm-hmm. But they still stare longingly into each other's eyes. Despite this is my that. absolute favorite part, Brittany. Can I talk about it? Please do. I hope you notice this, too. I hope so, too. And I think it has something to do with what you mentioned earlier. But very weird choice. Booth leaves Temperance at the Chinese local to go home to Tessa. Then we've got the scene of the music, obviously the music playing at the end of the show where Temperance is hard at work. And uh, so she's back at the lab. She's doing her work. She's arranging bones and really nice sort of coffin cases, uh, identi- identifying the World War One vets. And I was thinking how nice they were. Like I thought, wow, I'd like to be in a coffin like that (laughs) a nice coffin or (laughs) put my ashes in something like that it's really beautiful like well-made box and everything it's very very thoughtful you know to give to the the family so we're going between scenes we're going between bones working hard on these uh world war one veteran bones and the next picture we have is Booth sitting at the table with his girlfriend having dinner and she's chit-chatting and he's drinking a glass of milk. What I wrote it down in all caps. Yes. She's Me drinking too. wine and he's drinking a glass of milk a after a long hard glass. day. Huge. But he had just been at the bar with temp with temperance. And I don't remember what he was drinking, but I'm pretty sure it was a beer. Me, I thought he was drinking beer as well. How do you do that? First of all, disgusting. Second, like I thought, is the meal spicy? Does he need it because this it's like Indian or something? I don't know. He's eating something extra spicy. I do have to say, I feel bad about it, but it is a pregnancy craving. I do drink glasses of milk now. This is a thing. I don't drink it over a nice meal with Merkel. He's having a glass of wine, though. Listen, pregnancy, you know, be damned. You just do whatever the pregnancy tells you to do. I get it. Um, <laughs> I have never been pregnant, but I understand, like, you can't you can't deny those cravings. You know what I mean? My body wants a glass of milk. I got to have a glass of milk. Got to get that calcium. <laughs> I used to drink milk when I was a kid by the liter. Like, I would, we'd buy four liter bags, you know, the bags of milk, and I would go and I would just drink that whole bag. Oh, same. 
I could not get enough milk when I was growing up. I just drank so much of it. Now I don't drink any of it. So I don't know. It's just a thing, right? But he's a grown ass man. Like, come yeah. on. And it, it looks like a nice dinner. Like Tessa has made an effort to make this nice dinner. They don't really, she seems to be talking. He doesn't really seem to be engaged. I know. I don't know what they're trying to do there. Like he's being yeah. like, you're boring. I'm going to drink my milk. Like what's this? Like, I, I wish I were putting together bones with, with uh, temperance. <laughs> yeah. So that's the end of the program. So I was just when they were back at their Chinese local talking, like I said, Booth is getting drunk because he killed someone. And Temperance is being supportive, even though she bugs him all the time about being a sniper in the past. Yeah, this is the one time that she actually has a bit of empathy. She finally shows a little bit of empathy and says, oh, yeah, it might be hard on him that he just had to shoot and kill someone. So yeah. I'm going to lay off. Of, I'm going to lay off him for, for tonight. This whole episode, uh, in conclusion. Very In intense. conclusion, yes. It, honestly, it was a great episode. There were things, obviously, that we kind of, we, we just talked about them that were a little bit interesting, but it was an entertaining episode. No, for sure. Very, you know, little details and obviously things that we're going to talk about a lot in the future, like little character traits and little habits and behaviors they have. Like, obviously, it's it's fun to sort of point them out and just go, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. But in general, like talking to you, I was like, actually, this is pretty kind of sensitive to that whole relationship between Americans and, you know, Afghanis and Muslims in general. Yeah. But also, I don't know if we really got anywhere because, I mean, we have Fareed who ended up being a terrorist anyway. So, yeah, it would have been a pretty interesting twist. If the, although I hate when shows do this. Like, if they introduce a character, like, in the last, like, 10 minutes of the show, and that's the bomber, or that's who killed whoever, I hate when that happens. Yeah, so they're just showing that sort of juxtaposition between family members and all this stuff. So, like, the wife was a red herring, the boyfriend was a red herring, like, all those things were just, you know, nothing really, uh, they were inconsequential as much as exactly. <laughs> yes, and... I hope that Tessa sticks around. I like her character. I hope Angela lays off her a bit. We'll yeah. see what happens. Like I said, I'm hoping for more development with Angela. I honestly don't remember what the next episode is. So I, I guess I'm looking forward to the next one. Thanks for listening to Squintcast with me, Kelly Booth, and my and your new friend, Brittany Elsner. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Squintcast. Email us at squintcastpodcast at gmail.com. I'm at fab underscore empire underscore on Instagram. And Brittany is at Brittany81523 on Instagram. See you next time. Hodgins! <laughs>